I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. And we have been studying, of course, overall the subject of Jesus Christ, the voice of God. And we have been looking into the parables of Jesus. And uh, the 13th chapter of Matthew, uh, in this chapter, he deals with seven parables. Uh, we've already spoken on three of them, or four of them, actually, through last week. I'm going to finish up some, a little part of that uh, one from last week. And I'm in uh, uh, 13th chapter here of Matthew. And uh, <clears throat> we talked about one where he talked about the soil went forth to sow, and some seeds fell by the wayside, some on stony ground, thorny ground, and good ground, and so forth. We spoke on that a couple of weeks ago. And then last week, we talked on the, another parable that he gave, similar to that, but totally different. And in that parable, he talks about uh, that there was a field, and a, a man went forth and sowed good seed in it, and whenever, and then afterwards there came an, an evil one and sowed bad seed, or sowed tares, among the wheat. And so then they both came up together, and his servants said, what shall we do? Shall we, uh, shall we root up those tares? He said, no, in doing that, you may root up also the, the wheat with it. He said, let them both grow together. And in the end time, he said, then we will have the harvest in the end time. And so there is a uh, bit of the wisdom of God that is being presented here uh, in these parables that Jesus is giving. And uh, he did not always tell the answer to these parables, only to his disciples. Uh, one thing I want to make mention here is that, well, let me have you turn with us to Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read the latter part of what we talked about last week. Stay with me very closely on this. He says, let, this is the 30th verse, 1330. I'm just reading this 30th verse. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares and bind them into bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, the Lord gives the interpretation of that over in uh, the latter part of that same chapter. Uh, and uh, I'm, he, gives, he gives the interpretation. I'm not going to go into detail because we taught on this last week. But he says that the son of man is the sower, the field is the world. Uh, the, the good seed is the children of the kingdom and the tares are the children of the wicked one. And, uh, and then he goes on to say, uh, verse 40, as therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. Uh, and the son of man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and then which do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And of course, this is speaking of the end of time, whenever the Lord will divide the sheep from the goats and will uh, divide the good from the evil and so forth. <clears throat> and uh, then he goes on to say in verse 43, then shall, this is 1343, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of his father, of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And all of these were given in parables. Now, I want to talk to you about something very important here today. This is, uh, I'm going to go, a little, I'm going to plow deep, if I can say it that way. I want you to back up to verse 34. I want to show you something. When Jesus had given this parable before he gave the interpretation, this is what, uh, what is said in the scriptures uh, in verse 34 here of this 13th chapter. 
when he talked about the tares and the wheat and the parable and so forth. He says here in verse 34, all these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. Now this seems to go right along with what he says earlier uh, in that same 13th chapter, whenever he said that uh, it's not given unto them to know the meaning of the parables, but to you it's given. So now look at this very closely here. I'm going to share some things with you here this morning that I seldom ever speak on or share with anyone, but it's a, it's a lot of meat to it. And I want you to, I want to share it with you here today. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables and without a parable spake he not unto them that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, not prophets, but one prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. I want to talk to you a little bit here today about secrets kept from the foundation of the world. And he talks about this. Now, this scripture that uh, is spoken of here in Matthew 13, 35, uh, comes from a verse of scripture that is found over in the book of Psalms. And that prophet was, of course, David. And he speaks over here in Psalm 78, 2. If you look over there with us, this is where that scripture is taken from, 78, 2. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Notice the phrase there, dark sayings of old. Over here in Matthew, he says, uh, things kept secret. Things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Now, in conjunction with that verse of scripture, I'm going to read one in Proverbs that's in 1.5. In 1.5, and this is what 1.5 says, Proverbs 1.5. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Verse 6, to understand a proverb and the interpretation the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Everybody stay with me. So I want to talk to you a little bit here about on this subject here of these dark sayings or things kept secret from the foundation of the world. What were they? How were they? And so forth. And uh, this is what Jesus, when he came, he was revealing to his disciples as he would give parables. Uh, let me just say one thing here. When he talked about the ground being like the hearts of men, some fell by the wayside, some fell on good ground, stony ground, and good ground, and, uh, and, and, and thorny and, and stony ground. When, uh, whatever type of ground that the seed fell on, that's how they would perceive and accept and receive the word of God and therefore become fruitful for the Lord. And so that was a, a little bit of wisdom. It isn't that God chooses one person over another, but it's how our hearts receive the word of God. See, we are saved by grace and that through faith. Grace is God's goodness to us to save us. Grace, or faith rather, is our response to God's grace. We are saved by grace and that through faith. Martin Luther made the statement and he sort of carried this in his older years we are saved by faith alone. That's not a Bible, scripture. That's not scripture at all. We're saved by faith alone. 
The Bible really doesn't say we're saved by faith, that we're justified by faith. It doesn't say we're saved by faith. It says we're saved by grace and that through faith. Faith, however, is very essential in that how we receive the word of God, how we receive it. And so when Jesus gave the parable of the ground, he was revealing that it's all going to be up to how you receive the words of God and the words of God you're going to receive are those that I'm speaking, praise God. And so when the multitude said, okay, you're through talking now, we've got some people we want to be healed, we've got some people we want to be, we want to be fed, blah, blah, blah. And then when they, once they had that, they were on their way, but the disciples stuck around. They, they stayed around. We want to know more about what you had to say and the depth of it and the meaning of it. And so he said, it's given unto you to know because they were the good ground. They were staying in there. Let me just say this. When you go to church, go to church to worship God and go to church, praise the Lord, to glorify the Lord. Give your heart and soul to the Lord. Walk with God and God will do so much for us, to us, through us, with us. Praise the Lord if we will allow God to do that in us. Amen. So these things were given by Jesus in this 13th chapter. Now, he goes on to talk here about these, uh, these things, these mysterious things. He also mentions that uh, back in Matthew 13. Let me back up here uh, in another place in this 13th chapter here of Matthew 13.10. If you look at that verse, uh, this is the same chapter we're in here, Matthew 13, and this is the 10th verse. The disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he saith unto them, because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given because their hearts are not receptive to the word of God to receive all that God has for them. And God has many things to be understood. So he talks about the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And these mysteries, praise the Lord, are spoken of throughout the Bible, throughout the scripture in many ways and a lot of things. Look in the, you're in Matthew 13. Back up to Matthew 11 here. 11.25. Look very closely at this. Look very closely at this. At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. You see, it's not how smart a person is, is how much we would yield to God, live for God, give our life and heart to the Lord. And in that sense of the word, folks, we are just babes in Christ. All of us, we are babes in Christ. Yet God has chosen to allow us to know things and to under things, understand things and to understand his great concept and his great goodness and his blessings to us. Now, I, uh, I want you to go with me to the, a moment here, if you would, over to the book of Ephesians. I want you to look at something in the book of Ephesians here. I'll tell you what, uh, we're there. Let me see. Yeah, let's go to the book of Ephesians. I think, I think that's, let me find it here. All right. Look in Ephesians uh, chapter 3. And in uh, verse 3, look here at these verses. 
This is Paul spoken. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. The mystery. As I wrote afore in a few words. Whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Paul understood these mysteries that the Lord talked about. It goes on to say, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, by the Spirit. And this is what it is. Look at verse 16. This is the mystery that he is talking that Paul is talking about, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Fellow heirs meaning along with the Jews. In other words, the Gentiles are going to be part of what was promised to the Jews. Now the Jews in their way of thinking, no Gentiles could be saved. It was only for Abraham's seed. And that's why they would say, we are of Abraham. We got special rights with God. We have a special place with the Lord. And when the Lord came and started giving parables, he said, it's going to be the type ground that the seed falls on. It's going to be how your heart receives the word. It's not whether you are of Abraham or not. It's going to be, can you and will you believe the word of God when it comes forth? That's why faith is so important. Because it's our reception and acceptance of God's word and the application of his word in our lives and in our hearts. Amen. It doesn't mean that repentance is not essential. Repentance is an act of faith. Baptism is essential because it is an act of faith. We act upon our faith by being baptized and so forth. Receiving the Holy Ghost, praise the Lord, is an act of faith. We believe we can receive it. That is for us today. And so those are actions of faith. And they are part of that faith process. But faith is saying, God, if you said it in your word, I believe it with all of my heart. Uh, There are denominations, Christian denominations, that do not believe that you can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There There is one particular denomination that I'm very much aware of that states it in their bylaws that nobody can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues like the early church did, and there are no miracles today. And they believe that. And because they believe that, it doesn't happen. And they can say, we believe in Jesus Christ, but they do not believe it, and it does not happen. But when somebody reads the word and says, it happened in the early church, like they did at Topeka, Kansas, all those young people. And, uh, and, and Parham said, I want you to read the word and see if Acts 2-4 is for us today. This would happen in 1900, 19, 1900, January 31st. And see if it's for us today. And those young people begin to pray and seek God and call upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord began to pour out the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that little Bible school, uh, Bethany Bible College, all of a sudden young people started getting the Holy Ghost and mouth of babes. Amen. Not brilliant uh, theologians that all had it all figured out. But it was just young people that said, we believe the word of God. And I'm going to tell you today that if we as individuals will say, I believe the word of God and I accept the word of God, folks, it's amazing what God will open up and show us and reveal unto us and how he will use us and how he will add to the kingdom, praise God, in such a glorious and a wonderful way, just as he has done in this past 
uh, 100 years here in America and all over the world, in fact. So I'm going to move on here because he talks about the mystery. He says here, I'm reading verse 6 again, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. And uh, meaning, and that's why he said the sower went forth to sow, and some seed fell here for that, is how you receive that. Can you receive the word of God? And how you will receive it and what you will do with it in your life, praise the Lord, will determine whether you're going to grow in the Lord, whether you will be, have fruit in your life, fruit of the Spirit, praise God, and also the fruits of the harvest as well. And then he goes on to say here, I'm still reading here from Ephesians chapter 3, I read verse 6, let me read verse 9, to, all, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, the fellowship of the mystery. There is a, uh, this thing was called a mystery because with the Jews, no Gentiles could be saved. In fact, Jesus told him one time, he says, there were a lot of, there were a lot of women in Israel, but God chose a Gentile woman to use her in order to save Israel. And then he went around and he said, was that not a lot, a lot of lepers in Israel, but God saved a leper and cleansed him that was from Syria. And he's letting them know it was because their hearts were right. And their hearts were hungry for God. And they sought after the Lord. And these, these Pharisees and Sadducees got mad at Jesus. Because he was putting those Gentiles up and was not speaking very kindly of the Jews of that time and of that day. I'm just pointing out to you here that when Jesus came, he said, it's not going to be, I have Abraham to my father. It's going to be, can you receive the word of God in your hearts? So that's the way it's going to be. And after the resurrection, only after the resurrection did it happen. Jesus then said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, uh, baptizing and uh, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's in Mark. And Mark says that one. Uh, Matthew says the other. Go ye in all the world, preach the God. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. The name of the Father is on the Holy Ghost. The name, of course, is Jesus. You well know that. Jesus. So I'm just pointing out to you here, these things were kept secret. They were dark sayings. And the Lord, praise the Lord, said, I'm going to reveal some things to you. That's not the only thing. There are others. I'm going to talk to you about some other things here that the Lord talked about. While you're there in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, look in Colossians 1. Go over to Colossians 1, if you will. And uh, this is uh, 125, if I can get my pages unstuck. He says here, whereof I made a, uh, am I made a minister according to the uh, dispensation of God. I'm reading here from Colossians 1.25. Of God which is given to me to you, for you to uh, fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath both have been hid from the ages and from generations. But now is made manifest to his saints. To whom God would make known what is the riches the riches of his glory of this mystery. And here is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That, that praise the Lord, is the riches of this mystery. The mystery is that we are fellow heirs with the Jews, but the riches of this mystery is that Christ is in us. How rich that is. Can you say amen? 
Amen. And he goes on to say here, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Then he says over in chapter 2, and this is only actually about three or four verses later, chapter 2, verse 2, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge, acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in which are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge <coughs> that is found in this mystery of God. Praise the Lord. And what we're doing here is showing you here all of these wonderful truths here where the Lord talks about these mysteries, amen, that is in the word of God for us to know and to understand, amen. Uh, I want to... Uh, I want you to go back, if you would, with me to a mo- for a moment here to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9. Now, buckle your seatbelts with me. Everybody with me? Stay with me on this one. 3 and 9. This is Ephesians 3, 9. I read this while ago to you. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, Who created all things by Jesus Christ? God who created all things by Jesus Christ. How's that that done? God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to add to that by reading this verse of Scripture over here in Colossians uh, chapter 115. Look at this one, 115. Who is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created, Jesus, by him, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. How can that be? And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So here it's saying here that Jesus Christ, <clears throat> amen, who is the image of God, was way back there. He created all things. And yet, when I read over here in Isaiah, look at Isaiah. Look what Isaiah says. I'm reading over here in Isaiah 45. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I even my hands have stretched out the heavens and all their hosts have I commanded. Uh, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. This is uh, 45.5, 45.6, that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. Uh, here in, uh, in 45.18, for thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. You know, and it goes on to say that over and over and over. Uh, the 22nd verse, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. In other words, I'm the only one. And he says that over and over. And I only read just a few verses to you there in Isaiah. They, it goes on for chapters where the Lord says, I am the only one. And then here over here, I read over here in Ephesians where it says that who created all things by Jesus Christ. How did God create all things by Jesus Christ? You may give you the answer. Jesus Christ, listen to me closely now. Don't lose, don't, everybody with me? 
Don't go to sleep on me here. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> everybody, everybody, nobody hypnotized. Here's how that he created all things by Jesus Christ. Jesus was the pattern by which God made all things. I'm going to take you into some deep water right now. Jesus was the pattern. All things were made by him and for him. By him and for him as the son, as the son of God. Boy, how, Brother Myers, you're really, you're really, you're really clouding the, clouding everything up here. You're really making mud in the water. All things were made by him as a pattern. Praise the Lord. Let me show you another verse of scripture. I'm going to really, I'm going to really muddy the water now. You still with me? I can show you other verses just like this. It's found in Ephesians, found in Colossians. <clears throat> I want you to go with me to uh, Genesis 1:26. Look at this one. This is one that even the Jews did not quite understand. It was a dark secret to them. They said, I, we don't understand this verse. We know it's of God, it's in the word, but we don't understand exactly what God is talking about. Look in Genesis 1:26, And God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. And he goes on to say that over this and then over that, the male and female and so forth. And then finally in verse, chapter 2 in verse 7, uh, he says, And God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathing in him the breath, his nostrils the breath of life, man became a living soul. But here in this 26th verse, he says here, God said, Let us make man in our image. Now, the Trinitarians try to say this is where God and the Father together and the Trinity made man. And then they come up with the Trinity, which was the Athanasian Creed in 325 AD. Before that, it never existed. Athanasius sort of put it together, trying to figure out all this stuff in his own head, with his own knowledge, without the help of the word. And so and it was this, that, the, that God is three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, co-equal, co-eternal, co-existence. Never was there a time that one was before the other. Never shall there be a time one shall be after the other. Three separate and distinct persons. God is three separate and distinct persons. That's the, what they later called the Trinity Creed. Originally called the Athanasian Creed. Got a name from Athanasius. And so this was a creed that they came up with. This is why the Greek Orthodox still called themselves the people of the creed. Not the people of the book. Not the people of the book not the people of the Bible, the people of the creed, because they knew they developed the creed themselves. And the creed was that there are three separate and distinct persons in the Godhead. And one of the scriptures that they used to back that up uh, is this scripture right here. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm on Genesis 1-1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and everything. Now, I'm going to give you an explanation of this. The Jews themselves who knew, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There's only one God. They knew that. And the Jews understood that. So when they read that, they said, we don't quite understand it, but we know there's a deeper meaning to it. And then over here in the New Testament talks about those deep secrets of God, secrets from the foundation of the world. Now, I'm going to give you an explanation here of this verse of Scripture here, and I'm going to try to give you, explain it. I'm going to tell you why it has to be this way. It says here in this Scripture here, it says, 
uh, verse 126, and God said, let us make man in our image. In our image, one guy said to me, that's the father talking to the son, you know, the three up in heaven, you know. Well, the Bible says God is a spirit, a spirit, not spirits, but a spirit. God is a spirit, John 4, 24. They to worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God is a spirit. All right, if God is a spirit, and let's say that one spirit is divided into three, which is, is impossible to figure out. Did you know Albert Einstein, not Albert Einstein, but Isaac Newton, one of the greatest minds that ever lived, supposedly he and, and Einstein together, that he, he did not believe in the Trinity. He said this mathematically false. It can't, it can't be mathematically. He was a mathematical genius. You well know that, Isaac Newton, Sir Isaac Newton. Anyhow, he said that the, the Trinity is, 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 is full of holes. It just doesn't add up. You can say it, but it doesn't add up right. So if there is one God and one spirit, and they're divided into three parts, and in one part says the other part of us make man in our image, then man would have been made a spirit. You got me? Are you with me? Man would have been made a spirit, but man is body, soul, and spirit. So uh, where did this body and soul come into the picture at it? God is a spirit. And it was one spirit saying to the other spirit. How can, how can that be your body? Because he says, let us make man in our image. In our image. Let me show you where it is. I'm going to come back here and explain this thoroughly to you here in real detail. Uh, let me have you go over a minute here to uh, uh, God, Colossians 1.15. I think is a good place to start. Colossians 1.15. Who is, speaking of Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God? Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Firstborn of every creature. And born? Wait a minute now. I thought the Trinity said they're co-equal, co-existent, co-eternal. Never was there a time that one was before the other, and there should be that one after. And yet the relationship of father and son, father's always before the son. And it says here, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, which means Jesus was born. Everybody still with me? You say, well, Brother Myers, the Bible is, it, it contradicts itself. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. What I'm giving you here are dark secrets that the Bible talks about. Things that's been hidden from the foundation of the world. Stay with me on this. I told you to keep your thinking hat on. Don't look at that little bub up there back and forth. I see some of you getting glassy-eyed. All right, I'll know something. So he says here, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of, of every creature? Uh, I'm, I'm emphasizing here the word image. Who is the image Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. Look over in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So there's two scriptures here that states that Jesus Christ is the image of God. And one other scripture that I'll give you here, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses let their word be established, and there are others. I'll just read this one in Hebrews 1, starting in the first verse, 
going down there through verse 3. Hebrews 1, 1, God, who at sundry times and divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. That's why you've got to believe in Jesus Christ to be saved. You can't, there's no other way. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Notice that, by whom he made the worlds. In other words, Jesus Christ was the pattern by which he made the worlds. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power and it's happened the last days purged us our sins and so forth. But the express image of his person. Here's three verses that speaks about Jesus Christ being the image of God. Now, so what does Matthew, what does Genesis 126 mean whenever it says, let us make man in our image? Whenever God made man, I'm going to get to a scripture here in a moment. I'm going to give that one to you too. But whenever God made Adam, he made him in the image of Jesus who was yet to come. Who was yet to come. Let us make man in our image. Jesus Christ, the man Christ Jesus on this earth, was the image of God. The express image of the invisible God. God is a spirit. And so God, Jesus Christ, the man Christ Jesus, was the image of God. And way back in the beginning, because it was God's plan, God's plan from the foundation of the world. See, God knows all things from the beginning to the end. He knows all things. He knows all things. He sees it all. He's spoken it. And with God, if he, if he speaks it, it is so. It is as though it is so. And so way back in the beginning, God, if I'm going to use the illustration here, I'm going to put myself over here. God looking from the beginning to the end. If I'm going backwards to you here, <laughs> that's the way the Hebrews read their Hebrew backwards. So this, this is back Hebrew here. You know what I'm saying, left to right to left. Everybody stay with me. God here, and he says, let us, speaking of Jesus that would come 4,000 years later. Let us make man. Now hang on, with, hang on with this because this is a revelation that I have, folks. And I'm feeling a Holy Ghost all over me right now and what I'm fixing to tell you. He says, let us make man here in our image. In our image. Our image was Jesus who would yet come in God's divine plan. It wasn't another person standing here with Jesus. If it had, it had to have been a man because Adam was made a man. I'm going to give you a scripture in a moment here to show you where that Adam was made in that image of Jesus Christ. But Jesus was the pattern by which everything was made. Let us make man in our image. Our image, praise the Lord, Jesus was the image. God made man, made Adam on this earth of the earth, earthly, to live on this earth. But we're not finished yet. Let us make man. Jesus Christ, way over here, 4,000 years later, God manifest in Christ, was to finish the work on man. Finish the work on you and I. Because just being made in the flesh was not enough. Because God has something better. He has something more wonderful. I'm talking to you about dark secrets here. I'm talking about things hidden from the foundation of the world. Things that the Jews saw and said, there's something in that, but we don't know what it is. And God was saying, praise the Lord, 
Jesus Christ would be the finished work. You ever hear that little children's song? You know, he's still working on me. You know, God made the sun, the moon, and the stars, and this and that and everything, uh, and Jupiter and Mars, but he's still working on me. Amen. And I'm just saying here today that the Lord, hallelujah, is still working on us to do the finished work because what's in this life is not the finished work. And that was in God's divine plan. And most people think Israel fumbled a ball, therefore God had to use the Gentiles. No, no. When you read the second chapter of Philippians, it's all about the fact the church is not an afterthought with God. It was God's plan from the very beginning. Hallelujah. That he would, and one day he would redeem us. Amen. And these are some of the wonderful truths in the Bible and the word of God. Let me show you another verse of scripture here. Just because my time is getting away about gone here. But look in, uh, I want you to look with me in Romans. Look in Romans 5.14 if you don't believe what I've been telling you here. Nevertheless, 5.14 of Romans, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Now the emphasis here now is on Adam. Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Adam was the figure of him who was yet to come. So that when God made everything, he made it by Jesus. I'm going to go back over here. And so Jesus as his model. You say he didn't exist. It doesn't matter with God. In God's divine plan, God's great wisdom, his foresight, his understanding of all things from the beginning and the end. He made the world. He made the air just right for Jesus to breathe so that Adam could breathe it. And you and I can breathe it. The air, we breathe this air. We are the earth earthly. He made the water to drink. But Jesus was the pattern. Jesus was made. All things were made by him. The gravity of the earth. You think about all that. I mean, this evolution stuff is baloney. This evolution idea, whole thing about evolution is crazy. When you analyze the whole thing, just things just pop up and start happening on its own like it's got a mind or something. But a one cell uh, uh, protozoas, one cell, one cell microscopic creatures. You know, one cell. You know, and it's supposed to pop up and become two cells. And it's supposed to become a frog. And then finally it hops up and becomes a human being crawling out of the swamp. I mean, crazy stuff, you know? I mean, that's what it all, all that evolution stuff's about. All of it was because God made everything that your eyes can see. Everything your eyes can behold. Hallelujah. God made them all because he's the creator of all things. And he made them by Jesus Christ, the model, the pattern. And then when he made man, he made man after the pattern of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. He was made after the image of him who was yet to come. But in that sense of the word, when the Lord said, let us make man in our image, he meant I'm going to finish the work with man through Jesus Christ when he would come. Praise God. Now, I've just revealed to you one of those dark secrets. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm telling you, folks, and those things come by understanding of the scriptures. And that's not, I'm, this is not original with me. 
I mean, most of our uh, knowledgeable Bible scholars understand that. I mean, and I'm very much aware of it. And I was, it was taught me. And, and so that's why I have it. It's not something I just dug up. I'm just trying to point out to you here that these are things that the Bible says that God has hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and has revealed it unto babes because we want to know. All of us, we, that's why you're here, because we want to know the word of God. And so when the Lord was giving those parables, he was saying, I'm going to reveal some secrets to you. I'm going to open up some dark sayings. And I'm going to read that verse of scripture again to you here. It's found over here in Matthew 13. I'm just going to read it to you again, once again. And it says here, all these things spake Jesus in the multitudes parables. Without a parable spake he unto them. This is the 35th verse now, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. And Paul understood also that the fact that we would have fellowship with the Jews, that would be a secret. It was kept. The Jews did not receive it. They did not believe it. They rejected it. And therefore, they rejected Christ. And that's what that parable about sowing the seed in the fields was all about. And some fell here, some fell there. That is how we receive the word of God. Praise God. Now, I'm going to show you where that, that mystery is finished. Would you like to see that one? The mystery of our relation, our fellowship with all humanity. That is Jews and likewise. Look over in Revelations. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's Revelations, yeah. Look in Revelation 7 here, with Revelations 10, 7. This is where that mystery is concluded. And this is over in prophecy now. That has not yet come. I got two minutes, I'm going to wind this up. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And then in 11, 1, and there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And from this point on in the Bible, no more Gentiles are saved. God turns back to the Jews. And he does what he promised in Romans chapter 11 to do. He'll turn back to the Jews and he'll save them. And that's one of the mysteries that Paul talked about. He said, I am an apostle to the Gentiles. And I will tell you that this is why you don't have to keep the Sabbath day. Because it's all through Jesus Christ and it's by faith. That's why you don't have to abstain from certain meats. You can eat anything, praise the Lord, that, you know, the Bible says just as long as you pray for it and it's sanctified by prayer and by the word of God, you know. That's why we pray over our food. The Bible talks about that extensively. I'm just pointing out to you here, that's why we don't live under the law because Jesus Christ paid the price on Calvary. He is our supreme sacrifice. And the ultimate of it all is that one day, just as he rose from the dead, we shall rise from the dead, praise the Lord, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And we do not yet know how we shall be, but we'll have a glorified body like as unto his glorified body. 
Praise the Lord. So Jesus is still working on us so that we are not like Adam always, forever, forever, but that we shall be like Jesus Christ is forever and forever. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you know the Lord? Aren't you glad for God's goodness? Folks, this is the greatest thing in the world. Stay with it. Stay with the, the book. Praise God. Stay faithful to God. And one of these days you'll hear the trumpet. Let's stand together, lift our hands and worship God and glorify him right now. Lord Jesus, we love you, God, and we praise you. We magnify you. We thank you. Bless this congregation this morning. Bless us in this service, Lord. Bless the word of God, Lord, that comes forth from this pulpit, Lord, to all of us here in our morning worship. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Remain standing if you would.